I'm delighted to be joined by Jeremy Barron, uh, all the way in Arizona, who's a massive Atletico Madrid fan. And uh, Jeremy, thank you very much for being on Cop On to preview this exciting match on Tuesday. Tell our listeners all about you and your connection to Atletico Madrid, please. Well, Owen, thank you for having me. I am uh, delighted to be here. I started supporting Atletico during the 2012-13 season. Um, I had become a recent convert to this wonderful slash maddening sport and decided I wanted to support a Spanish team. Uh, I picked Atletico and it's been a a very wild ride since then. Uh, Two Champions League finals, a league title, Europa League, Copa del Rey. Uh, We've been through a lot of ups and downs, um, me and Atletico. Um, I began writing about them for... SB Nation, which is a, a collection of, of sports websites under the Vox Media banner. I began writing for them, and I uh, am the co-site manager. I kind of run the show over at IntoTheCalderon.com. We've been around, God, four and a half years. I feel old saying that, but we've been around since 2015, and we do a bunch of Atletico stuff in English. Uh, we're the only rep- website to really be doing that. Uh, match reports, columns, news, um, podcasts in the past, you name it, we try to do it. Um, I also do podcasts on my Patreon page at patreon.com slash chat. I do instant analysis, uh, daily news roundups, rumors, uh, checking in on on players who are on loan, prospects um, on the academy teams, and so on. So it's a lot of fun. It's a good time. Well, that's that sounds fantastic, and I do urge our listeners to check that out. Absolutely brilliant. Um, moving on to At- At- Atletico this season, then. Um, how does this com- season compare uh, to last season, for example, or, or even previous seasons? Well, it's an interesting question because there are similarities, but also kind of vast differences. Uh, Atletico lost a lot of players over the summer. Uh, the core, the spine of those previous extremely successful teams. Antoine Griezmann leaving uh, for Barcelona after years of rumors finally departing Atletico. Uh, Diego Godin left alongside him. Juan Fran, Felipe Luis, Rodrigo Hernandez. All these guys left, and that's a lot to replace in one summer. And Atletico tried their best to do it, spending 250 million euros on eight players. The biggest outlay, of course, was on João Felix from Benfica. But Atletico needed to rebuild an entire defense, needed to add depth in midfield, and of course figure out how to replace Griezmann. So Atletico had a lot to do over the summer, and it's not, it wasn't great that all that had to be done in one summer, but the circumstances were what they were. Um, so from that standpoint, Atletico have so many new first-team players, and they've been together six months, and the results have been up and down. Uh, what's similar to last season um, is uh, the lack of goal scoring uh, that Atletico just cannot uh, Atletico have scored a goal a game in La Liga which is a pretty poor return for all the money that was spent uh, the attacking issues the the injuries the various muscular injuries those are holdovers from pr- the previous year and years before so some similarities uh, some differences and it's been at times a, a frustrating year but a year of patience a year of transition 
Yeah, very interesting answer. Um, mentioning your attack then, I mean, what, what's what been going wrong? I, I, I noticed um, that you've only scored 23 goals in, in La Liga, whereas according to Understat's XG model, um, you should have scored 35. So is it just simply just everybody's missing big chances? What's been going wrong? Yeah, um, Alvaro Morata is the guy who's been tasked with burying chances this year with Diego Costa out most of the year with a herniated disc and Zhao Felix, who we'll talk about having his struggles. Morata has been the guy tasked with finishing the chances and Morata for his career has a pretty spotty track record of consistency. Uh, he has not scored a league goal in 2020. Uh, that's not good. Atletico have scored only two goals in the past uh, six games, dating back to the Supercopa final against Real Madrid. Uh, so, it, but it doesn't come down to just Morata, though. The attacking system for years has been a sore spot in this team. Uh, Simeone's attacking philosophy and attacking strategy just is not really conducive to a lot of great chances. Atletico tend to generate two or three really good chances um, every game. And if someone's not burying those chances, more likely than not, the game's going to end goalless. Uh, if someone is there to bury the chances, great, Atletico are likely going to win. But it's a system that doesn't really set itself up for much success when there aren't very many uh, creative playmakers allowed to create or given freedom. Uh, Simeone prioritizes defense over everything, which is an idea that has taken Atletico to new heights in the past eight years but has also, in, it, over the past couple of years, inhibited Atletico in trying to score goals and in competing for the, the biggest trophies. So this is not a, a brand new thing this season. It's more prominent this year because of all the new names and all the injuries, but uh, the followers of Atletico know that this is nothing new. Atletico have had problems scoring goals in bunches for a few years now. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you mentioned uh, Joa Felix and, and the idea of Simeone's tactics maybe stifling the players is he is he a victim of that would you say because I mean he arrived for big money and he, he hasn't quite set the world alight yet has he no he hasn't uh, that I think is fair to say the biggest concern when João Felix arrived from Benfica is that he's going to be playing under Simeone oh he's a defensive manager he's this he's that and those concerns were valid um, at the time I think everyone kind of acknowledged them but the hope, in some circles, the unfair expectation, but the hope was that he was talented enough to where he could just win games on his own, that he could break the tactics, break the system. And early in the season, it looked like that might be the case, but uh, Atletico were hit with a bunch of injuries, and the plan to bring him along slowly and kind of replace Griezmann by committee, that kind of went out the window and everyone started getting hurt. So starting in November into December, once he came back from an ankle injury, he was kind of asked to be Griezmann. And he's not ready to be Griezmann. He's not ready. He may never even be Griezmann. He may be a totally different player with a totally different role in a team more suited to him. So he's had two injuries that have kept him out for a total of two months. He may not play Tuesday. It's not looking at the moment like he will, but there could be a surprise and acceleration in his training the next few days. It's been difficult for him. It's a new league, a new coach, a new setup. He has not scored a league goal since September 25th. Uh, he's got only four goals on the season, uh, two others in the Champions League. So uh, it's clear, though, watching him, that he's very, very skilled and very creative. Just 
magic with the ball at his feet, but it's about achieving that consistency and kind of this this fight between and maybe this internal fight within Simeone that okay, this player is insanely creative and could be really good versus we want to teach him how to become the next Griezmann. And it's kind of an internal struggle there and Zhao is unfortunately caught in the middle of it, but it is only his first season. However, that being said, when you pay that kind of money for a player, it's not difficult to expect instant results. Yeah, it must be difficult for him. I mean, with the, you know, with the pressure of that transfer fee, it doesn't affect all players, but um, you know, it certainly affects a few of them. The feeling of pressure, having been so expensive at such a young age as well. I, I do. I really hope it works out for him because you know the little bits I saw of him playing last season he looked a really enigmatic talent uh but uh, let's let's talk about your recent form that you that you mentioned you've only scored two goals in the last six matches i was looking at it i mean you've played Ibar cultural leonesa which is a new team for me i mean despite all the championship manager i played in my youth and the fifa i play to this day i still don't know who the heck they are uh, leganes real and granada you've only got one win in those last five matches um and it's i don't know is it a case though like i remember when uh, liverpool won the competition back in 2005 uh, even though nobody backed us to do so I wonder if you're you're a sort of different beast in the Champions League and we should just forget about your your league form uh, we'd like to forget about the league form it, it hasn't been good <laughs> uh, the most embarrassing and difficult result to take was that loss to Cultural in the Copa del Rey Cultural play in Segunda B which is a third division of Spanish football uh, the Copa del Rey moved to to one-legged ties this year and there were a lot of upsets Atletico unfortunately fell victim to that but yeah Atletico have scored only twice in the last month plus Angel Correa has scored both goals making it even uh, more eyebrow raising so to speak uh, yeah that that's interesting that there may be some parallel to Liverpool that season I, I think Liverpool finished sixth that year is that right uh it was yeah it was actually fifth but yes yeah uh, so uh it's a matter of yeah, the hope is that Atletico are a different beast against Liverpool because the Champions League is the last chance at silverware this year with the league having been gone for a couple months, the Copa del Rey elimination, the Supercopa elimination in the final. So the, the Champions League is the the last hope and Atletico have to find a way to get this right um, on Tuesday and put together a strong first leg. Uh, because this is the this is the only chance at silverware that's left, barring a historic collapse in La Liga, and yeah, Atletico have their group stage games were uh, were were a little bit different. Atletico showed some more attacking impetus uh, in a few of the games uh, against Juventus, against Lokomotiv, but really struggled during that middle portion against Leverkusen again and against Juventus in Italy. And it came down to the final match day, whether Atletico would qualify or not. So it didn't really inspire a whole lot of optimism, but stranger things have happened. Atletico, uh, a few years ago, were not favored at all against Barcelona in the Champions League and ended up knocking him out in the quarterfinals. So the the hope is, uh, in Spain, that maybe Atletico can pull off a similar upset or, or keep it very, very competitive at the least. Uh, that being said, Atletico do have to balance Champions League success with finishing fourth this year. La Liga is 
extremely competitive this year. Catafe are three points ahead of Atleti. That's a, just a miraculous story, what they're doing. Sevilla, Real Sociedad, Villarreal, Athletic. Uh, it's all very tight in the fight for the European places, and Atletico have to make sure that they get into the top four and make the Champions League for the eighth year in a row. Because if that doesn't happen, Simeone's job is under threat, and Atletico will take a huge financial and sporting hit. Mm, yeah, no, I, I really hope you do qualify for the Champions League next year because uh, you've been gracing it for the past few years with Simeone and and his tactics. Um, you know, speaking of his tactics, uh, again, I mean, you know, your defence is famously amazing. And uh, I did hear on the excellent uh, podcast called Analyzing Anfield that, uh, that Atletico Madrid had the equal best XG against expected goals against record in in the entire Champions League in the group stages this year, uh, um, averaging I, I think in total is three point five goals in six matches um, that you were expected to concede. So I mean it's really tight, tighter than a mouse's ear hole, as they say. Um, so I mean that's got to be your your source of hope, isn't it? And you said you, you had to replace the defence. Um, could you make our listeners familiar with who your best defenders are these days, please? For Simeone's faults, creating a consistent, um, free flowing attack, the man can build a defence. That's for sure. Uh, the advantage of his really kind of English and Italian four four two is its structure. Its structure is impeccable, and it brings the best out of defenders. Guys like Diego Godin were really kind of not very good before Simeone took over, and he turned Godin into the best defender in the world for a couple years. Uh, Atletico brought a whole new defense in for the same amount as Lucas Hernandez's release clause, uh, who went to Bayern over the summer for 80 million euros. Atletico spent about $87 million putting together a brand new defense. And by and large, they've been successful. They had kind of a rough spell uh, during the winter when they conceded in seven straight games. Of course, it does help to have Oblak behind them to inspire confidence. But Atletico have been, to my surprise, maintained this very strong defensive level. Uh, even though this has been the best defense in La Liga six of the last seven years, it has surprised me that they still might have the best defense in the league come the end of the year. Uh, Felipe Montero, I'd say, has been the team's best defender. He arrived from Porto over the summer for about 20 million euros. He's experienced, a veteran, and he has arguably been the best signing uh, that had arrived over the summer, a very busy summer. Uh, he's got some pace about him, really good header of the ball, very athletic, uh, has scored a, a couple goals this year. He's been brilliant, frankly. Uh, Stefan Savage, Jose Jimenez, and Mario Hermoso are the other center backs. Savage has been good when healthy. Jimenez has been good when healthy. But they have both fallen victim to this team's many, many injury issues. They haven't been fit a lot of the year, and Cholo has had to rely on only two first-team center backs for a good chunk of the year. Uh, Kieran Trippier has been this team's right back most of the year, and Trippier has been great as well. I was a bit skeptical of that signing, knowing his defensive reputation, but he's been a, a very pleasant surprise. He's currently injured. He had uh, groin surgery about a week and a half ago. He's not going to play against Liverpool, but Trippier has been very good. Uh, Renan Logi came over from Brazil, from Atletico Paranaense over the summer, very young, very raw, 21-year-old left back. Uh, I think 
it's going to be a bit of a torrid time for him going up against uh, against Mo Salah, but we'll talk about that later. Um, he's a pretty raw defensive prospect, but he's class in attack, absolute class going forward. He's got a very big future. So it, it's been impressive that Atletico have, by and large, maintained this defensive level and have started to uh, transform uh, the younger players uh, particularly Logi, into a more complete fullback and just improving the level of guys like Felipe and Kieran Trippier and, and so on. Excellent answer. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, yeah, it's very illuminating this because, uh, uh, you know, like a lot of Liverpool fans, you know, I don't get too much chance to to follow La Liga very closely, unfortunately, because there are just too many Liverpool games, which are a joy to watch these days. But uh, I was just... Um, you know, let's just think about the lineup then. What's your expected lineup on Tuesday? Uh, you know, amongst the players that are available. Sure, uh, Atletico are getting healthier slowly but surely. It does not appear as of now that Jao Felix or Diego Costa will be available. Uh, Hector Herrera, uh, the very serviceable do-it-all midfielder from Porto, he is not in the squad to face Valencia later today on Friday, so he may not be available. Kieran Trippier is going to be out with a groin injury. So those those are the guys who are injured. Uh, and based on that, it, it, it will be interesting. I, I think there is a chance that Simeone is going to start Saul Niguez at left back. Uh, Saul is a central midfielder, a very, very good one, but he has deputized at left back the past two years because the club hasn't purchased a natural uh, substitute and because... Saul's willing to do it. So I think there's a good chance that he's going to start on Tuesday. So my 11 to that effect will be Oblak in goal, uh, Santiago Arias and Saul at the fullback positions, Felipe and Jose Jimenez in central defense. I, Based on Herrera's fitness or not, I think we're going to see Thomas Partey, uh, who, is this team's, who has been this team's best midfielder this year, uh, Thomas Partey and Marco Chirente in the middle of the park with Koke playing on the right. Uh, I think Vitolo playing on the left. And then Angel Correa, Alvaro Morata will be the forwards. Wow. I mean, it's it's a very interesting team. Um, but, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, Mo Salah and, and the Liverpool team. I mean, do you think... Um, you can stop us playing. I mean, how do you? I mean, how do you rate Liverpool? I mean, from the outside, how do you think we're doing, and how do you think this tie will pan out? Yeah, I think Liverpool are pretty good. They're having a pretty good season. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. Uh, I, I've been able to, to catch a few uh, more than a few Liverpool games this year, and the Spanish press for a, a while now has referred to this Liverpool side as a machine and. That's what they are. Uh, I Honestly, I think Liverpool have benefited from a, a really weak Premier League this year, but they fully deserve to be um, ahead of the pack as, as far ahead as they are. Uh, you look at this Liverpool team, I, I believe it's the best on the continent. I think Real Madrid are the only other team that can make that argument. You look at this Liverpool team, and there just aren't very many weaknesses, are there? And it, it starts at the back with Allison, who is an elite goalkeeper, Virgil van Dijk, who is the best defender on the planet and I think should have won the Ballon d'Or. You have two just class fullbacks. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold is revolutionizing how a fullback can play and everything that a player like that can do. The midfield has depth. Uh, 
good technical quality, industrious, hardworking, kind of a, um, a nice blend of, of those two styles. And of course, there's the front three, which has just been electric and is the best front three we've seen since the first year or two of Messi, Suarez, and Neymar at Barcelona. Uh, I don't need to tell you all about them, you know, but Mane and Salah and Firmino are just all elite players, you know, world-class players. And they are going to, they're tough to stop. I didn't really like this draw when it came down because I know how good Liverpool are. And I think uh, there, there wasn't this sense of dread, but it was a sense of, oh boy, this, this may not go well for Atletico. There could be a surprise here, but Liverpool are a juggernaut. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Well, it's music. It's music to, to to my ears, and I'm sure the the listeners' ears too. I mean, this is uh, this is music, real music. This isn't uh, Justin Bieber. This is uh, Beethoven and Mozart. Uh, you know, getting together for a duo, a one-off duo. It's uh, it's absolutely beautiful times for Liverpool fans. I mean, I've uh, I'm 40 years old. I've I've lived through these 30 years without a league, and I have to say, it's, it's amazing to hear from the outside that this team is getting the praise that it deserves. Because, you know, lots of people hate Liverpool in Britain. Not sure why. They would prefer the oil barons of Manchester City to win the league. I think because they're just tired of seeing us destroying everybody. It's amazing. The juggernaut, the Jurgenaut. Thank you for your kind words there. Um, let's uh, talk about you know one of your best players, uh, one of the best players in the world that you have in your ranks, uh, Oblak. Um the man is a goalkeeping monster, isn't he? Yes, he is. And I would encourage uh, your listeners, if they aren't familiar with Jan Black's work, to go find a YouTube compilation or two. He pulls off the most ridiculous saves. And he has been, at times the past few years, this team's most valuable player, bar none. Uh, I would argue that he still is. This is a guy who, in my considered opinion, is the best goalkeeper on the continent. Um, big, lanky, athletic, extremely athletic, just in command, makes it look very easy, makes these Spider-Man-like saves look very, very easy. Uh, and he is a big reason why, as Atletico's defense kind of aged out the last couple years and brought in a bunch of new guys this year, he's the big reason why Atletico still have the best defense or the second best defense in the league behind Real Madrid because he just pulls off so many incredible saves and is just so calm and collected, even un under the pressure. Atleti like to make things difficult for themselves, but Oblak often doesn't make things that difficult. He's, I, again, I think the best goalkeeper um, around. Great stuff. Great stuff. I've just got a couple more questions, actually. One is about the the new stadium, the Wanda Metropolitano. Of course, we know it. Um, you know, Divock knows it very well. So does Mo Salah. Um, so does Hendo. So it'd be, it'd be something lovely to go back there. But a lot of teams like uh, West Ham springs to mind. They... Arsenal springs to mind. They 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 leave their old spiritual home, and something doesn't feel right, and something doesn't click. And I believe it's I don't know fifteen years or more since Arsenal moved into the Emirates. It's something like that, and they haven't done well at all since then. Um, how is it going for Atletico in the Wanda Metropolitana? Well, the team has continued to to put up wins at home at 
a, a, a very good rate, but it's not the Vicente Calderon, and I don't know if it will be. Uh, Atletico have been at the, the new stadium uh, very close to the airport in Madrid. Uh, they've been there for two and a half years now, and while more often than not, Atletico uh, are, are winning a bunch of games there, it, the atmosphere is it's different it's a much larger more opulent stadium it seats i think 68 69,000 about 15,000 seats more than the old uh, Calderon but the Calderon had it had a spirit about it it had it was right next to a brewery it had an expressway cutting right through the stands it had an atmosphere it had uh, you would watch like uh, Champions League fixtures on TV and it would just be loud in your living room. Um, and that atmosphere hasn't really been replicated quite yet at the, the Wanda Metropolitano. Uh, the, the TIFOs that Atletico fans used to be able to bring to these games, um, it's been tougher to bring them to the Metropolitano. Uh, it's just, it's a, 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 it was a bit of a shock when Atletico moved, uh, when they did. There had been talk for a decade Atletico would leave the Calderon, and they finally did in 2017. The stadium was rushed to completion uh, in, in order to get it ready on time for the, that season, 2017-18. And it, it, no doubt it's a beautiful stadium. It's, of course, as you know, hosted a Champions League final, um, and it looks gorgeous from the outside and the inside, but part of Atletico's identity was very much the Calderon. And it, it's a bit weird to juggle this working class identity Atletico forged over decades with this new, just kind of glimmering stadium um, kind of far away from the Calderon, from uh, the River Manzanares where it, it was located. Unfortunately, it has been dismantled over the past couple of years, which it's been tough to see those images. But no, Atletico have played well there. It's a really nice stadium, but... Who knows if it'll ever be the Calderon or, or something similar? Mm, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, thank you for that. Thank you for that answer. Um, finally, then, just my last question: What's your prediction, both for Tuesday and for the overall aggregate score? Ooh, a bit of a tough one. Um, I think Atletico will keep it at the very least keep it competitive. Uh, Juventus last year is. A parallel that I can draw. Atletico played one of their best games of the year in that first leg at home against Juve. Uh, of course, went to Italy and got smashed in the second leg and were knocked out of the Champions League. But that's, I think, I think Atletico are capable of stifling Liverpool in some sense, setting up in a low block, giving Liverpool the ball and daring Liverpool to pick holes in a defense that's just going to force them out wide. That may not quite work to Atletico's favor because of Robertson and Alexander-Arnold and Mane and Salah. Uh, it's potentially, I'm not going to say a devastating strategy, but it's one that, that may not quite work. If, if Liverpool score in the first leg, it's going to be extremely difficult for Atletico going back to, in, to, going back to Anfield. I'm going to pick 1-1 in the first leg. I do think Liverpool are going to, to find a way to get that goal. Liverpool Liverpool are going to have probably 70% of the ball. I um I do not expect to see Atletico on the ball very often in this game. Just give Liverpool the ball and try to force them as laterally as you can. Uh I got 1-1 in the first leg and I will go 3-1 on aggregate. Liverpool through to the quarterfinals. Well, thank you very much, Jeremy. Um 
it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. You've, you've really given us a lot of information about your, your fantastic club. And uh, I don't know, as, uh, as I normally say in an interview like this, pre-game, just may the best team win. Thank you so much for having me. Hello, you bulging cream horn. Welcome to Cop On. This is a special post-Atletico Madrid mini special welcome. Please remember that you can send us your thoughts, ideas, theses and ransom notes to coponpodcast at gmail.com any time you like, 24-7. And I'm really happy about this episode. I'm very happy. I'm chuffed uh, because Copon is able to bring LFC fans, including you, together from across the world. It is our very raison d'etre to bring people together and what we have for you today dear gorgeous listener is the verdict of Shane Veichel and Aubrey Hairston who met up in Los Angeles to watch the Champions League last 16 match and then afterwards they sat down in Shane's car to record their thoughts and their take on Atletico 1 Liverpool nil. here we are here's Shane all right, here we are, live with Cop On Podcast. This is Shane Weichel reporting in from Los Angeles, California, and I have a special, special member of the Cop On family with me here today. I have Aubrey from Brooklyn, New York. Say hey, Aubrey. Hey, what's going on? Oh, man, what a match we just watched, right? Indeed, indeed it was. Yeah, we're hopping on here to record straight after uh, the match against Atletico Madrid. Our narrow defeat won nothing. Oh, it was it was a hard match to get through. It was even worse refereeing. But we're here just to record our post-match thoughts and our emotions, our immediate reactions. Aubrey, man, it's this is such a mixed day for me, man, because I'm so happy to be sitting here with you. This is crazy that this podcast has brought us together. That's what I'm saying, yeah. But ah, this match, I man, know. this match. I know. Tell me, I know. what were your thoughts? How were you feeling? Well, I mean that the unfortunate first goal that like. That dropped uh, for Atletico. You know things happen, right? So pick back up. Any any team can pick back up from that. But the refing was just, um, you know, honestly, I haven't seen anything like that like recently uh, from us. And I gotta say, like the worst since like Martin Atkinson and and uh, you know against uh, Man U. Yeah, that Atkinson United match. Yeah, 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 I remember that what was you're like about. so lopsided. So I feel like oh. the same feelings, right? Yeah, no, no, you're exactly right about that. What were your feelings? So we we, get, we go down with the early girl, one nothing. But we, you know, we're the mentality monsters. We're the unstoppable, record-breaking Reds. It's just it's just something that you think that we can overcome. So you were feeling positive going in at halftime, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, and um, but that's the thing is like when you have these calls, the way that they're called, how how you how do you bounce back from that? You know. Yeah, it, it really is tough. I'm, I'm looking at the stats right now. We basically had 78% possession uh, to their, you know, 28, yeah, oh, no, uh, 22%. And then they, uh, and we had zero shots on target. What were your feelings whenever that Mo Salah goal went in from the from Bobby? What were your initial feelings after that happened? Oh, first elation. It was just, it was such a great moment. And then, you know, to see it replayed, and you're like, oh. Really, it really was, uh, really was offsides. Then I guess it seems convenient. I mean, I don't want to make too much. I mean, I always hate making too much of the referee, but the referee stole some headlines tonight. Definitely, yeah, definitely. It was. Uh, we were looking up his name. It's uh, Simon 
Marcinek, Marciniak from Poland. From Poland, yeah. We uh, don't know anything about. Well, him. I know, I know. Do you know anything about him? I think he's a supporter of Atletico Madrid. Yeah. that's the that's the only <laughs> thing I really know about him right now. After that match, that's definitely what it seems like. That's all you really <laughs> need to know. That's all you need to know. Oh man. Yeah. Um. The way Atletico set up defensively after they got that first goal was just to bait us into their third and then just to set up, you know, nine or ten people behind the ball and to really sort of prevent any sort of potent attack. I mean, we were knocking on the door. We looked dangerous for such long periods of time. It almost seemed like it was going to be impossible for us not to score. Um, Now, there were some subs. I haven't looked in too much to it. Do you know anything about uh, why Mane was subbed off? No, I mean we were, you know, we were talking about it. Like it made sense, like with the yellow card, right? With the yellow card to prevent, yeah, okay. Which again, another call. (laughs) There was nothing that we agreed with there. Um, But yeah, we could see how that would make sense. Maybe taking him off just to prevent any like you know future repercussions, like at Anfield, you know, getting sent off. So yeah, there might be there might be another reason involving uh, maybe maybe an injury flare up from what he was feeling with his muscle. Hopefully not. not. Hopefully it was just something like that. I was quite surprised, honestly, with the sub when we're taking off Mo for Alex Oxley Chamberlain. Now I love Alex Oxley Chamberlain coming on. I think it's a great decision from Klopp, but taking Mo off with that much time left on the game I, w- I wonder if we're going to hear something about that later on what was your reaction to that yeah I, I'm we were wondering you know he kind of in Klopp we trust you know the whole time but wondering what he was seeing that we were not seeing because Mo is what we need we need that energy we need that creativity we need that like consistent just attacking always never just relentless type of style of, of football that he plays and so I really uh, wonder what, what the thought process was in taking him off. I'm sure we'll find more about it later and yeah. Mo and you know Mo gets in those goals he always gets in a goal it seems like late so it seems like why ever take him off Yeah. but uh, they're looking at a lot of different analytics video a lot of stuff that we don't that we're not privy to that we don't have access to um what do you? What's your? What are you thinking? Because oh, so the away uh, the the next leg is in three weeks from now, which is an unusually long break between these Champions League knockout legs. Do you think that we're going to be able to get it together at Anfield? What's your expectations for those ma- for that match? Yeah, I think I think we will. I think uh, I think it'll be three. I think three nil. I'm going to say three nil. Three nil. Okay, that's good. It. That's good. Uh, that's my prediction, and we'll get on you know through aggregate. What, what do you think, Shane? I think so, man. I think so. It's going to be. It's going to be a hard match, but I think the way that Atletico played at home is how they play at home, and it kind of happens to the people they play against, and that's what they look to do. So hopefully we'll be able to subvert that and uh, rattle their cages a little bit. But we shall see. Yeah. Uh, I guess you have to lose one every once in a while whenever yeah. you're you're invincible and unbeatable. <laughs> can't last lose one, right? Can't last yeah. forever. I know. But things are going to keep rolling on in the Premier League. Things going to keep rolling on in the FA Cup. And we are not out of the Champions League. This is our trophy. We can win it. That's right. There's still enough left We're in this. We're still favored to win. We're going to return. Champions, let's do this, you know? All right. I believe you, man. Oh, as long as we have hope. Um, All right, so we're going to be trying to post some photos, some videos that we took. I know you caught a video of everyone singing You'll Never Walk Alone Despite the Loss, which was actually a really great time to see everyone come together. So, yeah, we're going to try to get that stuff out to you. Special thank you and shout out to Owen Thomas. Yes, Owen. We are so, like, this is amazing what, like, you've been able to put together here. Bringing Brooklyn to LA, and all from Paris, all from Paris, man. How did you do it? It's it's unbelievable. I have to say, like, big, huge fan of the podcast, and obviously, when I reached out to Shane, like, just an amazing person. Really excited to get together, and we made it happen. So I'm really, 
honored and excited to be here. Well, the honor's all mine, man. You're too nice to me. You're far too nice to me. <laughs> it's all good. Definitely. All right, this is Shane Weichel. And Aubrey Hairston. Signing off from Cop On Podcast. Up the Reds. Up the Reds. Great stuff. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much to Shane and Aubrey for recording that. Uh, here, for what it's worth, is my take on that match. Atletico 1, Liverpool nil. a ricochet leading to a lucky goal, and a referee softer than the hair on a chinchilla's scrotum were two of the main reasons why Liverpool Football Club and its fans had to grimace at the bitter taste of defeat on Tuesday night. The most amount of praise from this match has to be flung at the Argentinian Sean Dyche, Diego Simeone, of course, who organised his team and his crowd superbly. An eight- Two-zero formation was predictable enough, but unfortunately for us, and frustratingly for us, several of our players were off form. I thought Trent, Hendo, um, the front three, maybe Genie. Yeah, unfortunate, wasn't it? And you know, we weren't able to zip the ball around their deep-lying swamp with nearly enough vim or vigour. How well they fought, and how expertly they screamed like little children and crumpled to the floor at the slightest contact. How annoying it was that, as well as we huffed and puffed, we couldn't blow their brick shit house down. Robbo looked well pissed off at the end of the game. That's the kind of attitude I like. And I hope that he and his teammates can take some of that anger, turn it into a positive, and we can let rip in the second leg on the 11th of March. Atleti's owner, if you hadn't already seen it, he's already insulted Anfield publicly, uh, suggesting that Anfield is too old and not up to Champions League standard, and history tells us that that guy must be a complete chump, because every single time someone from the opposition has ever insulted Anfield or its crowd, they end up getting a spanking course not scoring an away goal could make things a lot more difficult for us they score one we need three and all that but I think we've got the defense to keep them out and even if we don't I think we've got the magic we've got the willpower we can turn this anger in our favor we have the crowd we have the manager and so much more to mute Diego's trumpet and it's only half time, as they say. Bring it on, the return match. Bring it on. Hello, you bulging cream horn. Welcome to Cop On. This is a special post Atletico Madrid mini special. Welcome.
please remember that you can send us your thoughts, ideas, theses and ransom notes to coponpodcast at gmail.com any time you like, 24-7. And I'm really happy about this episode. I'm very happy. I'm chuffed. Uh, because Copon is able to bring LFC fans, including you, together from across the world. It is our very raison d'etre to bring people together. And what we have for you today, dear gorgeous listener, is the verdict of Shane Veichel and Aubrey Hairston, who met up in Los Angeles to watch the Champions League last 16 match. And then afterwards they sat down in Shane's car to record their thoughts and their take on Atletico 1, Liverpool 0. Here we are. Here's Shane. All right, here we are, live with Cop On Podcast. This is Shane Weichel reporting in from Los Angeles, California, and I have a special, special member of the Cop On family with me here today. I have Aubrey from Brooklyn, New York. Say hey, Aubrey. Hey, what's going on? Oh, man, what a match we just watched, right? Indeed, indeed it was. Yeah, we're hopping on here to record straight after uh, the match against Atletico Madrid. Our narrow defeat won nothing. Oh, it was it was a hard match to get through. It was even worse refereeing. But we're here just to record our post-match thoughts and our emotions, and our immediate reactions. Aubrey, man, it's this is such a mixed day for me, man, because I'm so happy to be sitting here with you. This is crazy that this podcast has brought us together. That's what I'm saying, yeah. But ah, this match, I man, know. this match. I know. Tell me, I know. what were your thoughts? How were you feeling? Well, I mean that the unfortunate first goal that like. That dropped uh, for Atletico. You know things happen, right? So pick back up. Any any team can pick back up from that. But the refing was just. Um, you know, honestly, I haven't seen anything like that like recently uh, from us. And I gotta say, like the worst since like Martin Atkinson in in uh, you know against uh, Man U. Yeah, that United Atkinson match. T- yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember that what was talking like about. so lopsided. So I feel like oh. the same feelings, right? Yeah, no, no, you're exactly right about that. What were your fe- so we we get, we go down with the early girl one nothing, but we you know we're the mentality monsters, we're the unstoppable record breaking Reds. It's just it's just something that you think that we can overcome. So you were feeling positive going in at halftime, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, and um, but that's the thing is like when you have these calls, the way that they're called, how how you how do you bounce back from that? You know. Yeah, it, it really is tough. I'm, I'm looking at the stats right now. We basically had 78% possession uh, to their, you know, 28, yeah, oh, no, uh, 22%. And then they, uh, and we had zero shots on target. What were your feelings whenever that Mo Salah goal went in from the from Bobby? What were your initial feelings after that happened? Oh, first elation. It was just, it was such a great moment. And then, you know, to see it replayed, and you're like, oh. Really, it really was, uh, really was offsides. Then I guess it seems convenient. I mean, I don't want to make too much. I mean, I always hate making too much of the referee, but the referee stole some headlines tonight. Definitely, yeah, definitely. It was. Uh, we were looking up his name. It's uh, Simon uh, Marcinek, Marciniak from Poland. From Poland, yeah. We uh, don't know anything about. Well, I know, I know. Do you know anything about him? I think he's a supporter of Atletico Madrid. Yeah. That's the, that's the only <laughs> thing I really know about him right now after that match. That's definitely what it seems like. That's all you really need to know. That's all you need to know. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, 
The way Atletico set up defensively after they got that first goal was just to bait us into their third and then just to set up, you know, nine or ten people behind the ball and to really sort of prevent any sort of potent attack. I mean, we were knocking on the door. We looked dangerous for such long periods of time. It almost seemed like it was going to be impossible for us not to score. Um, now, there were some subs. I haven't looked in too much to it. Do you know anything about uh, why Mane was subbed off? No, I mean we were, you know, we were talking about it. Like it made sense, like with the yellow card, right? With the which, yellow card to like, prevent, yeah, okay. Which again, another call that there was yes. nothing that we agreed with there. Um, but yeah, we could see how that would make sense. Maybe taking him off just to prevent any like you know future repercussions, like at Anfield, you know, getting sent off. So yeah, there might be a, there might be a, another reason involving uh, maybe maybe an injury flare up from what he was feeling with Hopefully his muscle. Not. Hopefully, Hopefully not. not. Hopefully yeah. it was just something like that. I was quite surprised, honestly, with the sub when we're taking off Mo yes. for Alex Oxley Chamberlain. Now I love yes. Alex Oxley Chamberlain coming on. I think it's a great decision from Klopp. But taking Mo off with that much time left on the game, I, w- I wonder if we're going to hear something about that later on. What was your reaction to that? Yeah, I, I'm, we were wondering. You know, he kind of in Klopp we trust. You know, the whole time, but wondering what he was seeing that we were not seeing because. Mo is what we need. We need that energy. We need that creativity. We need that, like, consistent, just attacking, always, never, just relentless type of style of, of football that he plays. And so I really uh, wonder what, what the thought process was in taking him off. I'm sure we'll find more about it later. And, yeah. Mo, and you know, Mo gets in those goals. He always gets in a goal, it seems like, late. So it seems like, why ever take him off? Yeah. But uh, they're looking at a lot of different analytics video, a lot of stuff that we don't, that we're not privy to, that we don't have access to. Um, what do you, what's your, what are you thinking? Because oh, so the away, the the next leg is in three weeks from now, which is an unusually long break between these Champions League knockout legs. Do you think that we're going to be able to get it together at Anfield? What's your expectations for those ma- for that match? Yeah, I think I think we will. I think uh, I think it'll be three. I think 3-0. I'm going to say 3-0. 3-0. Okay, that's good. That's good. Uh, That's my prediction, and we'll get on, you know, through aggregate. What what do you think, Shane? I think so, man. I think so. It's going to be... It's going to be a hard match, but I think the way that Atletico played at home is how they play at home, and it kind of happens to the people they play against, and that's what they look to do. So hopefully we'll be able to subvert that and uh, rattle their cages a little bit. But we shall see. Yeah. <sighs> I guess you have to lose one every once in a while whenever yeah. you're you're invincible and unbeatable. <laughs> can't last, lose one, right? Can't last yeah. forever. I know. But things are going to keep rolling on in the Premier League. Things are going to keep rolling on in the FA Cup, and we are not out of the Champions League. This is our trophy. We can win. It. That's right. There's still enough left We're in this. We're still favored to win. We're going to return. Champions, let's do this, you know? All right. I believe you, man. Oh, as long as we have hope. Um, all right, so we're going to be trying to post some photos, some videos that we took. I know you caught a video of everyone singing You'll Never Walk Alone Despite the Loss, which was actually a really great time to see everyone come together. So, yeah, we're going to try to get that stuff out to you. Special thank you and shout out to Owen Thomas. Yes, Owen. We are so, like, this is amazing what, like, you've been able to put together here bring in Brooklyn to LA and all from Paris all from Paris man how did you do it it's it's unbelievable I have to say like big huge fan of the podcast and obviously when I reached out to Shane like just an amazing person really excited to get together and we made it happen so I'm really honored and excited to be here well the honor's all mine man you're too nice to me you're far too nice (laughs) to me all right this is Shane Weichel and and Aubrey Hairston signing off from Cop On Podcast up the Reds up the Reds Great stuff. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much to Shane and Aubrey for recording that. Uh, Here... 
for what it's worth is my take on that match. Atletico won, Liverpool nil, a ricochet leading to a lucky goal, and a referee softer than the hair on a chinchilla's scrotum were two of the main reasons why Liverpool Football Club and its fans had to grimace at the bitter taste of defeat on Tuesday night. The most amount of praise from this match has to be flung at the Argentinian Sean Dyche, Diego Simeone, of course, who organised his team and his crowd superbly. An 8-2-0 formation was predictable enough, but unfortunately for us and frustratingly for us, several of our players were off form. I thought Trent, Hendo, um, the front three, maybe Genie. Yeah, unfortunate, wasn't it? And, you know, we weren't able to zip the ball around their deep-lying swamp with nearly enough vim or vigour. How well they fought and how expertly they screamed like little children and crumpled to the floor at the slightest contact. How annoying it was that, as well as we huffed and puffed, we couldn't blow their brick shit house down. Robbo looked well pissed off at the end of the game. That's the kind of attitude I like, and I hope that he and his teammates can take some of that anger, turn it into a positive, and we can let rip in the, in the second leg on the 11th of March. Atleti's owner, if you hadn't already seen it, he's already insulted Anfield publicly, uh, suggesting that Anfield is too old and not up to Champions League standard, and history tells us that that guy must be a complete chump, because every single time someone from the opposition has ever insulted Anfield or its crowd, they end up getting a spanking course not scoring an away goal could make things a lot more difficult for us they score one we need three and all that but I think we've got the defense to keep them out and even if we don't I think we've got the magic we've got the willpower we can turn this anger in our favor we have the crowd we have the manager and so much more to mute Diego's trumpet and it's only half-time, as they say. Bring it on, the return match. Bring it on.